Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Susanna. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to chatting with you today. Yes. Welcome to the Clever Girls No Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on here and you're going to be sharing some gems with us on how to nail your next job interview for those of you who are listening that need help with interviewing, you're looking for a new job, you're switching careers, uh, Susanna has some really great um, tips for you. But before we get into it, Susanna, please tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am a leadership coach and career strategist for women of color, and I teach women how to land six-figure roles through leadership development and career strategy. So that is who I am, and that is what I do. I love that. And you have to tell us your last name so people can look you up. <laughs> sure. So Susanna Briscoe Alba is my last name. Um, and really the easiest way to find me would be uh, Susanna Alba. Yeah, we'll, we'll have all that in the in the show notes later on. So let's dive in. Um, right now, the job market is challenging, right? And so can you share some of the challenges that people who are looking for jobs right now are facing and some of the common challenges and how they can overcome them? Sure. So it is super competitive, especially because of all of the activity that has happened over the last couple of months in terms of layoffs that people are facing and just paying attention to how to make themselves more marketable. To give some context for those who are listening, uh, recruiters and hiring managers on average will spend about six seconds combing through applications. We get about 250 applications per position that comes available. Um, and then from there, about 75% of them are either put on the back burner or are not considered at all. So trust me when I tell you that I totally understand how competitive the job market can be. However, despite the competitiveness of the market, there are some things that you can do to to make yourself stand out amongst mm -hmm. all of the noise. And the first of that would be to make sure that you are applying applying to positions that are based on your shape. Okay. And when I say that, folks are usually like, girl, what is a shape? <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> so the first thing that um, I like to unpack is shape stands for your strengths, your heart, 
your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. I think mm. that too many people apply based out of necessity. Like, I just need to get this job or I just need to get my foot in the door and then I'll climb my way up. And then what happens is that you either end up burnt out or you realize that the job that you apply to is not at all what you anticipated and you're, you become incredibly unhappy. Mm-hmm. That is, that is so um, interesting. Applied based on your shame. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, you know, but you're right though. You know, I can remember being a fresh graduate and going on to the job sites and just filtering by the job title and just doing a batch application <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without even reading reading the descriptions none of that and you just mentioned that the average time a recruiter spends on in a resume is six seconds yeah you have to stand out in those six seconds because if you don't Absolutely. stand out like it's like next 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 you have to have like a selling point so like you said um applying based on your shape should be foundation just can you just again remind us what shape stands for sure so shape stands for your strengths right your heart your abilities your personality and your expertise I love that um okay so you are a leadership coach your career strategist What are some common mistakes you see people making during actual job interviews? So I've, you know, I've applied based on my shape. I've gotten three, four, five job interviews and I'm ready to interview. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people making when they get to job interviews that those of us listening can avoid? Oh, man, I would say the biggest mistake that I see is the inability to tell your story effectively Mm. and articulate your value. I think that what we forget in the interview process is that this is a conversation between two interested parties. And this, again, goes to the mindset of how you um, think through applying for positions. Mm -hmm. If you have a mindset of necessity and scarcity, like I need to apply to everything, then that same type of energy we can pick up on the interview. So when we ask you questions, when we're trying to connect with you, it makes it really hard for you to be able to articulate your value because the only thing that you're thinking about is I need this job. I need this job. I need this job. And so Mm. you're trying to speak from a place of I, I need this job instead of really showcasing the fact that we are already interested in you. Tell me about the value that you bring. Right. Because if I wasn't interested in you, I would not bring you on as a candidate to have an interview for a position. Right. So I think that that's one of the things that I see so many, so many people make is they don't know how to articulate their value or tell their story effectively. And I think when we get to the interview, we we forget that we were selected, right? We we made the cut to be there and our minds are like, yeah, like you said, I need this job. I need this job. So what is a, a, um, just going off of what you just said, mm-hmm. sometimes nerves set in, you know, it's not that maybe we can't articulate our stories. It's that we're just so nervous, right? Yeah. What is a good way to kind of ease into that interview conversation, whether it's in person or on the phone or over Zoom to kind of get us comfortable to be able to share and articulate our story the, the right way? Absolutely. So I am, if you are taking notes right now, I'm going to give you the most typical questions, (laughs) (laughs) the most typical questions that we are going to ask during an interview. So like that you can practice because the more that you practice answering these questions, 
prior to getting on a interview, whether it's a phone interview or an in-person interview, mm-hmm. the more that you practice your answers to these questions, the more comfortable you will feel instead of feeling so nervous when you're sitting in the interview. The first one that we ask is, tell me about yourself. And what I find with that question is that people will tell me everything that I know on their resume. <laughs> the resume, right? Yeah. So I don't... went to so-and-so college. I, I'm a such-and-such expertise. I am... <laughs> exactly. So like, be, like I can read that, right? So don't necessarily repeat to me what's on the interview. Tell me about your values. Um, tell me about the things that you enjoy. Tell me about uh, your possibly your plans, what you're looking forward to the most, you know, so tell me about yourself is not necessarily a question that I want you to repeat everything that's already on your resume. So that's one of the questions that you can anticipate that they're going to ask you. So tell me about yourself. Tell me about yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. And don't, don't read off the resume you cramped. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Okay. The second question that will likely come is tell me why you're interested in this role, regardless of whatever industry you're in. Tell me why you're interested in this role. And so this is a part where you can really shine during your interview. And this goes to being able to tell me your story. So if you apply to this position, it's because you have the expertise to do this job and do this job well. So in that question, tell me about your wins. Tell me about the the similarities that you've had at previous jobs that Mm -hmm. make you a great candidate for this role. So tell me more about your story with that lens. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Okay. Right. Question number three is going to be, why are you looking to leave your current organization? And people get hung up on this one because it's like, oh, my God, are they going to contact my old boss? It was a a tough situation. I hated that job. Uh, People get (laughs) caught up on this one. For sure. And you know know what? I once interviewed someone, and sorry to interrupt, but I'll I'll let you answer the question. But I I once interviewed someone, and I said, tell me why you're leaving your old job. And she basically tore the company and the manager to crap. And I was like, if she could do that to her prior employer without even giving them the grace of mm-hmm. she's like they're horrible I hated it horrible players hated it and I was like oh okay hmm. is it them or is it you yeah and I and love I like, that okay. you shared that but yeah <laughs> I'll let you sure. add your own color to it tell me what you think about for that sure I love that you shared that because that gives us a lot of insight into exactly what you just said if you're able to do that for one organization you likely will do that for the next organization mm-hmm. and so as a hiring manager and as a recruiter that to me is sending a whole bunch of red flags mm-hmm. um I think that the truth is that if you are in a toxic work environment um and it is it is unsafe or you're looking to move on, let's talk about how you're looking to move on. So if I were to ask you, why are you looking to leave your current position? You could say something like, you know, I have had a great run at this organization, but I'm really looking for new opportunities that are going to challenge me and help me to grow and thrive. And I think that this opportunity is one of those. So see how you have answered that question in terms Mm -hmm. of being able to identify that at the current position, you have grown, you have been met with challenges and you have surpassed them. And now you're looking to continue your growth. 
right? I think that when you answer that question by blaming the other organization or other institution where you're at, you have given up your power seat because Mm -hmm. the only person who is in full control of your career trajectory is you. And so if you are allowing other people, or if you're responding to this question with such a negative lens and mind frame, then my question as a recruiter and hiring manager is why did you decide to stay so long? If you knew it was so bad, right? Um, why, why did you decide to stay so long? And maybe if this is the attitude that you're bringing into the organization, maybe you're not the good fit for, as I thought, you know what I mean? So you want to be mindful. You want to be mindful of how you answer that question. And it could be true that you have a toxic manager and a micromanager and the environment is horrible, but that's not necessarily the best way to answer that question. Yeah, I I always think that as opposed to just dwelling on the past, highlight where you are trying to get to like you said I'm leaving that job because I'm seeking better opportunities I'm seeking you know xyz not oh my boss was so horrible she wouldn't let me take a lunch break (laughs) right right as a recruiter you actually don't really care what you did on your lunch break you care about the value that person is going to bring to the position so it's you know and I and I get it sometimes you people are coming from places where they've had horrible jobs I've had horrible jobs right but when you're yeah when you're interviewing for that next position Forget the horrible manager. They have no bearing on your on your success in a new position. So don't even bring them into the conversation. Absolutely. And that's why I say you give up your power seat because yes, instead yes. of you allowing your career to move in the direction that you want it, you're now moving under the guise of how someone else treated you. Yes. And like that is that their opinion of you, um, how, how you view them, like that is none of your business, right? Other people's opinions of us is none of our business. What we can control is how we move into the next role. Um, so I think that, that you have to be really careful on how you answer that question. Yes. Yes. These are such, such great gems. Okay. So we're still at the interview, right? Um, and now I'm, I'm someone who is transitioning careers I'm Mm -hmm. moving from one career to another one industry to another you know maybe very different and I'm not sure how to communicate my transferable skills during an interview Um, because maybe I'm going to give you a random example maybe I worked in medicine but now I'm going to work in tech yeah how do I discuss or talk about the skills I have my transfer Mm -hmm. my transferable skills effectively even though it's a completely different industry Sure. So I would say if you're going if you're going to make that type of a career pivot, I would start to pay attention to what are the things that you're currently involved with at work that have a tech lens. Right. So if you are Mm. going from a from a medical industry to now moving into a completely different field as tech, you need to be able to highlight what are some of the technical things that you are doing in your current position that would be relevant to the new career pivot that you're trying to make. So is it that you were working with some kind of new technology that was able to move patients through the system faster and increased the patient satisfaction by 50%? That is relevant to tech because nine times out of 10, you're telling me about a situation that involved a tech background that now you were able to use to provide impact. 
Hmm. And so I think if you're able to identify what you're currently doing that now applies to this new role and you can speak to it with what I call results driven statements, that will make you, again, a much likely candidate than just anybody else that we're interviewing. That is that is very, very, um, very, very good. A very, very good tip. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's keep going. Sure. <laughs> Um, we're at the interview and um, someone asked, you know, well, the interviewer asked, well, tell me what you know about the company. And I'd love for you to share some tips about how to conduct research on a company before you go on an interview. And the reason why this question is important is because I think that knowing the company you're going to interview at is so important. I've had interviews with people and I said, well, tell me what you know about CoverGirl Finance. And someone once told me, oh, well, um, the logo is cute. <laughs> no, they did so, not. Tell us why. It, yes, they did. I like the <laughs> illustrations. Oh my word! Because we hadn't done any research, so please tell us why research is important yeah. and how to conduct thorough research, so that when we they ask us that question, because many times they will ask us, "Well, tell you, tell us why you want to join this company. What do you know about this company?" Absolutely. Um, so we can be prepared to answer that question. Yeah. So that goes back to understanding your shape, right? Because when I am working with any of my clients, I need you to do that research to make sure that the organization that you're going to be going to, that your mission aligns with their mission, that your values align with their values. So the first thing that I would say is to GTS and GTS GTS. stands for Google that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We have so much information that honestly, if you are not able to do a quick Google search on the organization, that just leads me to believe that you're lazy and you do not want to leave that impression with the hiring manager or recruiter. You didn't make the effort, right? Yeah. 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 There's so much information that you can find on organizations that just like a good five, 10 minute search will provide a wealth of knowledge for you. So I would say GTS would be the first thing. And then the other thing would be to identify how the values, the mission, the work that the organization is doing. I would want to make sure that you could speak to how you add value to that already. How can you identify perhaps gaps in the market where you now can be an answer or a solution to the issue Mm -hmm. for the position to which you are applying or to the organization that you're going to. So I would say GTS and then make sure that you can speak as an authority uh, within that that field for sure. Okay, that's great information. And another common uh, concern that people have when they're interviewing is they may have taken time off of work. Maybe they took time off of work for um, motherhood for mm-hmm. to care, care for family members because they did a mental break, whatever the mm-hmm. reason was. They t- there's a there's a job gap. Um, what are some ways to address job gaps in employment history during a job interview? Right, mm-hmm. um, because I think sometimes you know it's it's valid to say yes, I took time off because I had a baby because I was taking care of my kids, but what else can we say to kind of um, ensure that the interviewer still sees us as a valuable talent for that job position um, that hasn't lost or or their skills haven't become outdated because I took time off. Like, you know, what, how can I explain my job gap, but still showcase that I am still valuable and can bring value to this position? 
Sure. So I would say the first thing that you would have to do is address it in your mind first. The truth is that we have gone through a whole pandemic, right? And so that has (laughs) changed the (laughs) dynamic of how we work and how we show up and what we do, right? So even if you have a gap, whether it's due to motherhood or due to your own personal well-being, I would say be able to speak about what did you do to make sure that you stayed marketable during that gap. Chances are that you were not sitting at home with your hands crossed and your and your feet crossed <laughs> taking a break, right? There was some type of development within that gap that you were able to take advantage of. Was it that you were able to take a Google course? Was it a was were you able to get clarity around what industry you want to be around and and the learning that happened in that process? I think a lot of people when they think of the gap, they they think that automatically that means that they're not marketable or they haven't learned Mm -hmm. anything. And so I would challenge you enough to say that is not true. If you survived living through a pandemic and if you survived being able to work in toxic environments, you now have enough experience and enough uh, um, wherewithal to be able to speak about the learning process that you've had in that gap. So I would approach it from, yeah, I would approach it from that, that aspect because life does happen. Um, And so I I would make sure that you are not, you are not already seeing yourself as a failure in answering that question. Absolutely. And like you said, you're very likely we're not just sitting down, (laughs) not, you're probably reading, watching videos, informing yourself on your industry, or even before you started applying to jobs, you probably like, you know, we're looking at what's new in this space, what's happening in this space. And so it's really important that you're able to um, verbalize that to your to your interviewer so that they know that, yes, you know, you still bring value. You can still bring value to this position. You're still more than qualified, well-qualified. Oh, absolutely. To at the role. Because again, the fact that you're sitting at that interview, going back to what you said earlier, means that you were already selected exactly. as a potential um person to hire for sure and so like let's let's put that into context right so for every single position that is posted on average we get anywhere between 250 to 300 applications so if even with your gap you are called in for an interview my love it's because you are the one for the job. So when you can approach it from that mentality, it's like, okay, so they saw the gap. They weren't afraid of it. Now I can really shine. This is what I mean when I say that some people really struggle to be able to articulate their value and tell their story, but it starts really with how you see yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So another thing I I want to talk about is personal branding and your Mm. online presence in today's job markets. How can people leverage these things to enhance their success during interviews? Um, Because I know that a lot of employers now will just take a quick look at somebody's social profiles. Oh yeah. Um, They are, (laughs) they look at your LinkedIn real, real quick, especially when they brought you to the next step of the process of wanting to interview, they do a little bit yeah. of exploration to see who is this person. Yeah. Um, so how does that, why does it matter? How can we make our personal branding stand out? What are the first things we should do if we do not have any personal brand? Yeah. So let's start with the first thing that you should do. If you don't mm-hmm. already, I would encourage you to have a LinkedIn profile. 
And I would try to have a LinkedIn profile that showcases your big wins, showcases where you have been employed and showcases your um, your face, have a great picture on there um, and talk about you know, the, the skills that you bring. The two areas that I think are super important when I am looking at a candidate's LinkedIn profile is their about section and their image are the two things that I'm looking at. Uh, mm-hmm. So you want to be mindful of that, but the image comes secondary to your about section. So I want to know about your capabilities, your experiences. I'd love to get a little bit of your personality because more often than not, before we call you in for an interview, we have not been able to see your face at all or hear your perspective. So if in your about section, you can give me perspective, I think that that is a huge, huge real estate for you to take advantage of. Um, And then if you already have a LinkedIn profile, I would say keep that up to date. So did you get a recent promotion? Make sure that that's on your LinkedIn profile. Did you develop a new strategy at your organization? Make sure you update that on your LinkedIn profile. Um, Are you attending professional development or educational opportunities? make sure that's on your LinkedIn profile. Because believe it or not, as a recruiter, I send more LinkedIn profiles than actual resumes. Um, And the reason I say that is because people want to get to see a little bit before they actually make a decision. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I will... Go ahead. ahead. No, no. (laughs) I said that does make sense. So I want to be able to see more about you and learn more about you kind of even before we have a conversation. It is not uncommon for employers to do that. The other reason is within LinkedIn, there is something that is called LinkedIn Recruiter. And that can allow for us to be able to identify or search for candidates um, and go from like thousands of people down Mm -hmm. to five or six. And so the more that you keep your LinkedIn profile updated, the more, the higher your probability of getting spotted for your work. So not only do I encourage my clients to update their resume, I also make sure that they are updating their LinkedIn profile. And we're talking about personal brand, right? One of the things that I recommend everyone should have is what I call an evidence list. And an evidence list is a list where you are tracking the tasks that you are doing at your job, but also tracking the resources that you are using, tracking the uh, results that you've had, tracking all of those pieces. So like that, it's not so difficult for you to be able to update your LinkedIn profile or your resume when the time is needed. And that also helps to build your personal brand, but also helps to build your confidence. Because when you're able to see all of that in front of you, you're like, man, I would hire myself. Look at all this amazing work (laughs) I'm doing, you know? So you want to make sure that if you are not, if you have not started to track your, uh, your work and your data, your evidence, I would encourage you to do so right now because it it, it is it's a powerful tool that helps you to build your personal brand, but also a tool that helps to break down any imposter syndrome um, or lies, limiting beliefs that you have believed because now you have it right in front of you. So when the lie of I'm not good enough tries to creep in midway through an interview or midway through the interview process, the data says something completely different. Yes, yes, that is, those are some, some gems, very, very important. And having that LinkedIn page, um, 
is is really important because that's that's the place that you can just really hype yourself up, showcase yourself, write your overview of who you are, what you bring to the table, what you have accomplished. Um, you know, and it, it kind of, I mean, you're not submitting, even sometimes when you apply for jobs, they will ask you to add a link with your resume to your LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if they, if you pass that six second check, <laughs> yeah, they, they want to go and do some, like you said, in-depth investigation on who they, who you are before they meet you. Absolutely. Um, especially if they're really impressed by your resume, um, they're going to want to explore further. So that those are some really, really awesome tips. And can I just give a little bit more context yes, to that? Because do. like, if I were to do a Google search of your name, again, don't give up your power seat. Let them, like you dictate where they should find you mm. instead of yes. letting them find your very public uh, Instagram profile that you perhaps don't use anymore. And there's all kinds of crazy <laughs> um, uh, or questionable activity happening there, right? So if you dictate and determine where they can find you that best highlights your capabilities, then you don't have to walk around worried about them perhaps finding the Instagram profile that you forgot to delete. So I would, yes. I would just want to kind of make sure that you're paying attention that don't give up your power seat. Let them let them give them specific direction as to where they can connect with where you. Where to find you? Yeah, I know people who have private Instagram pages and then they have public, like more businessy, personal brand Instagram pages, mm-hmm. even LinkedIn, right? Right. So, um, again, like you said, direct them of where to find you. Don't let them mm-hmm. just find some random stuff about you or that <laughs> other people have created that about you. Absolutely. <laughs> that you don't like right. So absolutely. Um, Okay, so we are done with the interview. You've given us a really great tips to succeed in our interview, but I wanted to talk about landing the interview, right? So I'm kind of going back, rewinding, selecting here. But, you know, as a career strategist, you see this all the time. Um, What role does networking play in the job search process? And how can people leverage um, their network to land interviews? Because like you said earlier, the job market is very competitive. Recruiters are just like speeding through these resumes. Sometimes they miss a really good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so networking, how does this play into your ability to get a job and um, um, just, you know, get that interview? Yeah. So that's one of the things that I encourage all the time is for you to be able to activate your network. Right. And sometimes what I don't think people realize is that that friend of yours, who's perhaps an administrative assistant at some big company, perhaps has access to the vice president or the CEO in Mm, ways that you will never have access to them. And so I would start to connect with my network and just let them know, hey, listen, I'm in in the process of making a career pivot or trying to find a new position that can better utilize my skills. Uh, Is there anyone that you know that I can be in contact with? Uh, And you may be surprised that there are people within your network who are like, you know what? This position just came available. It's not even on the market yet. And I think you would be a really good fit. So I think that by starting with that, that becomes a huge, huge benefit to you. So I would say activating your network. um, And again, just keeping it short and sweet and letting people know that you're trying to move up is going to be beneficial to you. Um, The other part is networking with previous places that you've been at. And this is why I highly encourage you not to burn any bridges. (laughs) 
<laughs> because you people don't stay at the same job forever anymore, right? So if you had a friend of yours who was working at ABC company three years ago, and now they've moved into a higher role at XYZ company. Now you have a new a contact that is familiar with your work, with your work ethic that can get you into rooms before your feet even step foot in there. Does yeah. that make sense? You know, yeah, so yeah. being able to look at your, your network in terms of Okay, how can I add value to them? But in the same token, when it is my turn and I need to make a phone call, who is within my network that I can that I can activate? And don't despise their position. Just because they may be lower on the totem pole, you just don't know who they're connected to as they are moving through their career. Yes, networking, listen, has it has gotten me so many opportunities. And I was that person who was afraid to network because I didn't want to bother anybody. Yeah. I didn't want to inconvenience anybody. Yeah. But honestly, networking is a circle. You help people, people help you. Um you we you have to network. Like you said, you never know who can help you just get your foot in the door, who can an introduction that can change your whole career, change your whole life. Yeah. Can <laughs> I give has, an example? Yes, go ahead. So I will share my personal example. I remember I was in university in college and I was a work study student, which was kind of like a internship that I was doing within the finance department at the university. Well, the CEO of the university and I used to work together. I was a student, but she was the CEO. And she was like, you know, Susanna, you have such incredible work ethic. And I think that that was just I thought it was just like a compliment, like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then what happened was that she transitioned into another position and left that organization. She and I had not seen each other in over nine years. When wow. I got a message into my LinkedIn profile, I got a LinkedIn DM who was like, hey, there's this position opening up at the institution that I'm at now. And I think you would be a really good fit. You should apply. Mind you, I had not seen her in nine years, but because, because she was able to see my work and we had stayed connected, even if it was through LinkedIn, we did stay connected at least once a quarter. So think about that, that opportunity would have been missed had I not been able to keep my LinkedIn profile up to date, had I not, had I burned that bridge Um, and the benefit to this position was that when I got hired, She was number one, one of my references. So who's going to tell the CEO or the CFO no (laughs) when they're (laughs) recommending someone? But also, she also gave me incredible insight into what kind of salary I should be commanding or asking for. You know, and I think that as women, that's something that you don't see very often where you have another sister who is coming alongside you to guide you and give you like behind the scenes insight. But that is, again, because I had my interview, not my interview. um, That is because I had my network activated. So I encourage y'all to make sure that you're paying attention to who is in your network. Yes, absolutely. And don't be afraid. Don't feel like you're inconveniencing people. Don't feel like, you know, just ask the question, ask for support, ask for help. And also, you know, there's a tact to it, right? Don't make people feel like you're just using them (laughs) because then nobody's going to want to help you. But instead, be be genuine, be honest, be open, get to know the people in your network, build valuable relationships with them. 
Absolutely. so that when an opportunity comes up and you ask them for support they can support you and when they find opportunity that they think you will be a good fit for you're mm-hmm. top of mind because they know you as a friend um, right. as someone that they connected well with too right so good so good um, so I have one more question for you before sure. I kind of ask you my closing question. Absolutely. And I wanted to talk about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both women of color. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of women of color listen to this podcast and just women in general, right? Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that diversity, sure. especially working in a, in a male, people who work in male dominated industries. Um, mm-hmm. How can women that address diversity related questions during an interview? Like, I want to know what the company's initiatives are around people of color, around diversity, around women's empowerment. I want to know. So how do I ask these questions about yeah. how a company is creating an inclusive environment without mm-hmm. seeming like <laughs> making yeah, it uncomfortable? Like, tell me about it. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. <laughs> so one of the things that I warn against, and I think that this is an unpopular opinion, but one of the things that I warn against is don't fall for the trap of their of them telling you that they have diversity, equity, and inclusion committees. Um, don't fall. What does for that the mean? Trap. Yeah, <laughs> don't fall for that trap, right? Because most organizations, and I'm I'm gonna paraphrase this. Um, Many, I'm not going to say most, (laughs) many organizations use that as a marketing ploy. Oh, they are championing diversity, equity, and inclusion, but their hiring practices and the body of of the organization does not reflect that. So I would much rather you not have a DEI committee and have systems and processes that are open to diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout the whole organization. So again, because they found an interest in you, I would ask certain questions like, am I able to connect with other members of the organization who I am going to be working with? And that would give you a sense into who is in the organization, who you're going to be connected with. Um, And those are things that I wish I would have paid attention to when I was doing my career search. To give you an example, example, I remember I interviewed at an organization, again, because my background is uh, in higher education, where they had displayed all of the vice presidents, all of the presidents, all of the head honchos, if you will, at the organization. And all of them were white men. That Mm -hmm. right there was a red flag. Because while you can diversity and inclusion. Exactly. (laughs) So while you can tell me that you're about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is not reflected on this wall that you have kind of prominent at the institution, right? So I would pay attention to that. I would also do your own research in terms of looking at sites like Glassdoor or sites like Indeed and see what are some of the reviews that are coming out from that organization so like that you can get a better understanding. But if you are in the interview and you want to ask those kind of specific questions, I would ask like, what does professional development look like um, within the organization? And so professional development should be an area where there is that women empowerment, um, that women in leadership, that diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. I would also ask, um, what does success look like in this role for for people who are freshly hired. Um, and, and that is another aspect that you can get more information in terms of what is the expectation of you as someone who perhaps does not look like everyone else at the organization. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's I love that approach. You know, just you know, yes, they will tell you we have committees. Yeah, we're working on this. This is the initiative. We've put five million dollars, ten million dollars to this initiative. But I'd love to meet people. Yeah. I'd love to meet the team I'm going to be working with. I'd love to meet absolutely. <laughs> and I tell members. people, yeah, I tell people all the time that is a red flag if you are not allowed to meet with the people that you're going to be working with. If at any given point throughout the interview process you cannot meet your team, that is a red flag because it's usually a part of the interview process for you to get to meet at least one or two members of the team that you're going to be working alongside or the team that you're going to be managing. Right. So that is a red flag that I would be, that I would be paying attention to if you go on this interview and they're telling you all of these things, but you never get the opportunity to connect with your, with your subordinates. I love that. You have given us so many gems, Susanna, so much food for thought, a lot of things to think about and reflect on. I hope you have all been taking notes if you are driving. Uh, (laughs) Come back to this episode when you're not, right? You're working out on the treadmill. Come back to this episode, write down your notes um, and just start to create um, your plan as you pursue getting that next job, getting that next interview and leverage these key tips to stand out. Um, So Susanna, before before I let you go, I have to ask you, what is your Clever Girl superpower? Oh man, so my Clever Girl superpower (laughs) would be, I think my Clever Girl superpower is making sure that people feel seen, valued and heard. Um, And that just comes from a place of navigating the career landscape feeling overworked and underpaid and undervalued. So when you come into my my sphere, when you come into working with me, I want to make sure that you genuinely feel seen, valued, and heard. Um, and because of that, I find that when people feel seen, valued, and heard, then they're like, girl, you are my new best friend. <laughs> I want to hang out that. with you all the time. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then finally, please tell everyone where they can find you, get in touch with you if they have questions. Um, you mentioned, uh, I don't know if you mentioned you do coaching, but I see that on your bio because you're a leadership coach, you're a career strategist. So if folks want to yeah. work with you, how can they find you? Where should they go? Absolutely. So the best place to connect with me is going to be on Instagram and on LinkedIn. On Instagram, you can search me at um, I am underscore Susanna Alba. And on LinkedIn, it's going to be the same. Just you do a quick search for Susanna Alba and you'll you'll be able to find me. So, yeah, those are the places you can connect with me. Awesome. And we'll be including that in the in the show notes. So you can just click on those links. But thank you so much, Susanna, for being on here and for sharing your knowledge with all of us. Um, oh my I goodness. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for just, this is an honor to be able to connect with the Clever Girl community and I don't take it lightly. So thank you so much. Thank you for loving on this community the way that you do and pouring into them. Um, I honor you because you're doing such an amazing job with this. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.